Welcome to So You Want to Be a Witch, the podcast for soul-centered entrepreneurs and the people who love them. Welcome back to So You Want to Be a Witch. I am your host, Sarah M. Chappell, and today I want to ask you a really important question. Are you a scammer? (laughs) Are you afraid of being a scammer? Are you worried about being a scammer? (laughs) Are you worried that you're ripping people off? A lot of the creative and spiritual and soul-centered business owners that I work with are really concerned about being perceived as scamming or accidentally scamming people in their business. I hear this a lot. Maybe you have a similar story. What if this work isn't good enough? What if people think that I'm a scammer? What if you know I don't actually deliver what I said I was gonna deliver or you know I thought I did but they think I don't? What if I'm ripping people off? This is a really common story that comes up, especially when we have concerns about money, about charging appropriate rates. And for those of you that are starting out in your business, this can be a pretty big one too, along with the who am I to do this thing. But we also see this as our businesses grow. I shared a couple episodes ago that as I create my new program for folks who have like kind of scaled recurring revenue products, memberships, and you know, a lot of group coaching programs are actually memberships. I won't get into semantics today. But that when people are creating these programs that, you know, I'm like, oh, am I, am I becoming a coach who coaches coaches who coaches coaches, right? I'm like, am I creating like an MLM scheme, (laughs) right? I'm cognizant of that. Now, there's, this is a pretty common concern, especially if you are somebody who doesn't deliver a physical product, right? When it's a little bit harder to say, was this thing done? It's a little bit less of a binary, did they get the thing that they wanted? or did they deliver the thing, right? If somebody buys a pillow from you and you ship them the pillow, chances are they're, you're not gonna think you're a scammer. Though maybe there's concerns about the, the quality of the pillow. Did you misrepresent the pillow? This, this can go on forever, right? I've heard it all and I've experienced a lot of this myself. Now, the reason this is top of my mind this week is because I just got fucking scammed, y'all. <laughs> As you may know, if you listen to the podcast or if you listen and hang out over on Instagram with me, I just moved back to New York City. Uh, For folks who are newer to me, this is where I lived for most of my adult life until we moved to North Carolina. Really happy to be home. This is where my partner's from. This is, you know, yeah, this is just, it feels like home. We're really glad to be here. We moved for a lot of reasons, uh, but a big one was for my partner's job. And now that we're here, I'm finally starting to decompress and I'm very happy. But the move was very stressful. Moving generally is, but we ended up deciding to move very quickly. My partner got a job very fast and we went from like zero to booked in five days, basically. He got the job, we got an apartment. It was very, very quick. And I'm grateful for that, that it wasn't drawn out. But this means that there's been this very high heightened energy for the past month or so. And I've been pretty absorbed with all of the things that go into moving and not just moving my household, but moving my business. I had to re-register my business and change all sorts of stuff and register for new taxes, like all these different things, right? I had to basically set up a business in New York. It's been, it's been a lot. So on top of all of that, we hired movers, right? And, uh, Because of where we lived, it was a little bit harder to find a moving company that had an even remotely reasonable price um, because where we lived in North Carolina, it wasn't on a lot of the major hubs uh, for moving companies. So if you're familiar with moving, the model is really interesting um, and I'm gonna go ahead and say it and really fucked up. And though I'm not a big fan of disrupting industries in the Silicon Valley way, I really hope somebody disrupts the moving industry because it's a scam. Let's talk about it, right? 
So it was a little bit hard to find a company, but we found a company that we could kind of afford. And if you haven't moved recently, moving trucks are so expensive. It's, it's just wild. And again, we were doing this really short notice, so we had a pretty tight budget. Um, so we found a company. And what happened was, and I'm going to use some specific examples as we talk about this episode, but basically what happened was that they repeatedly lied to us, they extorted us, and then they delivered our stuff with a whole bunch of it broken and damaged, right? And I'm sharing the story today, first of all, because again, it's on my mind, but also like as a business coach, as a business owner, and somebody who thinks a lot about how we can do business differently, and also who works with sensitive business owners like you, who probably do worry a lot about whether or not you are honestly portraying your work or able to fulfill your work. The fact that I actually got to experience what it was like to be scammed so acutely when people, especially in the online space, are so worried about this, I thought it was really powerful to show the difference between perpetuating a fraud, which is what happened here, and essentially sometimes having customers who don't like what you do, right? <laughs> now, these are two very different things. Now, a lot of the business owners that I work with are close to what I would call an ethical perfectionist, right? A lot of us are really concerned with the bigger questions of all of our small actions, the impact that they have, not just on ourselves and our customers, but also on the wider world. A lot of you are people who zoom out and make big connections between small decisions and, and global experiences. And while I think this really is a superpower, it's a real gift of, of empathy, it does mean that often we'll be making a very practical business decision and then spin out into what does this mean for the future of humanity? <laughs> we are very concerned often with the ethics, right? Ethics are really interesting. Ethics are not fixed. Ethics is, I mean, we're in this moment right now where, um, at least in the, in the United States, uh, Texas just, um, enacted truly horrific abortion law. Uh, well, I mean, the Supreme Court kind of ignored it. Whatever, I'm not going to get into it. Those of you who are in the U.S. or pay attention to these things already know this story. But, you know, we're kind of at this moment where there's a, this like real ethical divide, right? Especially around something like abortion or about vaccine mandates. And so when we look at ethics for ourselves and our business, we're often searching for the right answer. But the reality is there isn't a right answer. There's the right answer for you. Your values are the ones that are going to dictate what you think are ethical and in your social situation, how you were raised, what you believe. It's really complex. It's not, there isn't a right or wrong. We often act like there is, and there's a right or wrong for us, but there isn't really a right or wrong. That's why ethics is an entire field of study. Um, it's not that simple often, even if we personally feel like our beliefs are like, obviously this is correct. Um, so many pe people disagree with you. That means it's not that simple, right? So when we apply this to business, then often we start to get trapped in this nuance of, oh, well, if I say on my sales page that this program is designed to help you to scale your membership to multiple six figures, what happens if somebody joins my program and they don't? Did I lie? Am I scamming them? Did I make it up? Right? We, we, we want to say what is possible with our work, but what if it's not true? Or if you sell it, let's go back to our pillow example. What if you say that the pillow's material is stain resistant, but somebody gets a stain on it? Did you lie? Right? So I see this a lot. I mean, there are a lot of business owners who don't really care about this, but I know you all and I know myself and we do. We really think about these things. What can we say? What is fair to say? What is true and honest to say? What is painting possibility and what is lying? So let's talk about what happened with these movers, because I'm hoping by showing some of the specific choices that they made, that you can see the difference between 
actively choosing to perpetuate a fraud and to scam somebody and essentially having things happen where somebody just isn't the right fit for your work, which I think is often what we're actually afraid of in our businesses when we're concerned that we're scamming people, is that somebody's gonna show up and say, oh, I didn't like this, I didn't get what I expected, and that that means you did something wrong. Not the same thing, okay? Being a bad fit for someone, that's ultimately a communications issue. We can often shift that with our marketing language, with our sales language, how we're talking to people. But that's different than actively trying to rip people off. So let's break it down. Okay, so our moving company. We hired a company that was a broker. This is really common. It's actually funny, my partner worked in uh, trucking for, we both have a lot of experience actually with working with trucking companies from working in the wine industry. When I was a brand manager, I managed ordering. And when you're ordering things from across the country or across the world, you start to learn a lot about shipping and trucking. It's a whole, whole thing. My partner actually worked in trucking for a year last year as well. So he had a lot of experience with this. And we hired a company that's a broker. A broker is a company that will essentially contract out, right? Just like if you ran an agency, for example, and you had a contractor who uh, did, so you had an ads agency and you had a contractor who made graphics, right? A graphic design contractor, very similar here, except the trucking company contracts a, a company that actually has trucks, right? So the broker doesn't own trucks. They hire somebody who owns trucks, okay? So the first thing that happened here is that this company told us that they would call us on certain days to give us updates and they didn't. Now, this is actually a really important thing to notice because it's something that as a small business owner, you can do. You can actually solve this problem and it's the first place that trust erodes in your business is when people expect to hear from you and they do not. This is massive. Now, often we think about this in terms of uh, deadlines, delivery dates for things like that. But this is also true if you say, hey, I'm gonna email you a newsletter every week and you don't, it starts to erode trust a little bit. It doesn't mean you can't make a change. We talked about how to change your mind a few episodes ago. Definitely go check that out. But especially when somebody has hired you for something or has purchased something from you, communication and setting expectations is key. I imagine we've all ordered something from, I don't know, Etsy, and it has been shipped out like a week later than we thought it would and we heard nothing, right? Or some, I've ordered something before and it shipped out four weeks later. It actually didn't ship until I followed up. I was like, hey, is this coming out? No worries, but I haven't heard an update. There is some leeway generally with communication, but at some point we start to worry that the thing we bought isn't coming. We're not getting the course, we're not getting the thing because some expectation was set in terms of communications that is not being met. So when the moving company said, we're going to call you on this day and you will know which day we're coming to pick up your stuff because they had given us a pickup window. When they didn't call, of course we were concerned. Right? And when we did talk to them, they told us, oh no, you're not gonna know until this other day when we're gonna come pick up your stuff. So we started to have this kind of game of telephone and this shifting of expectations, right? I was told I would know something on a Wednesday. When we called them on Wednesday, because we hadn't heard from them, they said, no, you won't know until Friday. And then eventually we didn't find out until Sunday. That's all, it, it kind of kept going, right? But the, the goalposts kept being moved. The communication was inadequate in the sense that essentially we had to call to get every piece of information that we need, even though they said they would call us, right? So they set that expectation. And then the deadline shifted and they didn't proactively communicate those deadline shifts. They were, this will become apparent, they were lying to us, right? They were stringing us along. Now, this is a place where I do see small business owners make a mistake because often we get overwhelmed. We set communication expectations that we cannot meet. 
And then when we fail to meet them, a lot of folks will go hide under the covers for a bit. I used to do this when I was doing freelancing work. I am not fantastic at meeting deadlines, especially for creative work. I've gotten a lot better, but like five years ago when I started freelancing, I was having, a, I definitely had a hard time with that. I have a lot of that like procrastination, perfectionism stuff. So um, in addition to kind of having mental health and physical health issues that sometimes make deadlines very hard, but instead of communicating proactively and being like, God, I'm not feeling well, there's no way I'm going to feel well enough two days from now. So I'm gonna go ahead and let them know it's gonna be late. I would just blow my deadlines and hope no one noticed. Um, Y'all don't do that. <laughs> and this is also bad because I was doing professional writing as well. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you editors really don't like that. It's not cute. Meet your deadlines. <laughs> but small business owners do this a lot. We'll say stuff like, oh, you'll hear from me tomorrow when you actually don't have time to, or you're, you're, oh, you'll hear from me in an hour when you don't have time to. We tend to say what we think the customer wants to hear instead of saying what is realistic. And your job as the business owner is to set the expectation. That company, for example, we found out later, clearly would not have known the Wednesday before our move when the truck was coming because they only booked them 24 hours in advance. That's actually not uncommon in the trucking industry, just if you're not familiar with that, but they had set an expectation that now made me feel nervous that they weren't going to come at all. And of course, by this point, they had a deposit from us as well, right? They had some of our money. So the key takeaway from this one is that just because we set an expectation that we can't meet, that doesn't mean that you are fraudulent or that you're scamming people, but this is a fantastic place to get out ahead and try to communicate clearly. One of the ways I think about this is that when I have like a sales call with someone, I don't do them very often now, but every once in a while when I have room for one-on-one -on -one coaching or something, I'll usually call, have a call with someone just to make sure it's a good fit, especially if I don't know them. And I will tell them, okay, you will hear from me and I will look at the time in the calendar. Like I wanna make sure, ideally I would do this before a call. I don't always, sometimes I just do it on the call. And I'll say, you will hear from me by the end of the day today with your contract and your payment information so you can secure your spot with our coaching, right? If somebody has decided they wanna work with me. Or I'll say, or you'll hear from me tomorrow, right? If it's later in the day. I do this with my one-on-one -on -one coaching clients as well. If they need something from me, for example, I am breaking out some tasks for them or I'm sending them some assets, I will set the expectation. You'll hear from me tomorrow at this point, right? If it's like midday, chances are I'm not gonna get around to it until tomorrow. And this is true for whatever it is that you do in your business. Those of you that offer, for example, like recorded tarot readings, right? Same thing. Let people know realistically when they're gonna hear from you, okay? So that's a first step and that's just something that we can all do. And if you notice that you have trouble with that, I really recommend giving yourself kind of like a, a like a decision metric <laughs> matrix for it, okay? You don't have to get it perfect every time, but also if you know you're gonna be late, let people know you're gonna be late. If you're proactive, that reduces the stress on the customer's part so much because that's really what it is. It's stress, it's friction, and they start to worry, just like I was starting to worry with our movers, that, oh, this isn't going well, right? It's eroding trust when we blow deadlines. And again, as somebody who's a chronic deadline blower, I really, I really feel that. Again, I've gotten a lot better, but it's still a challenge I have. So they came, they picked it up, and they had to sign a bunch of paperwork that you're gonna, I'm embarrassed to say, I did not read. But they didn't have us sign the paperwork until all our stuff was already on the truck. Oh, well I should say, they came, they looked at our stuff and immediately upcharged us like $1,000. <laughs> they showed up, they took one look at our stuff and basically upcharged us $1,000. Oh, they were wrong about how much stuff you have. It's gonna be this much more, we bet, but we'll, we'll finalize it once it's all packed. And I was like, that's fine. I mean, 
you know, they made this big deal out of like being like, we're not trying to rip you off. So if you don't want us to move at you, let us know. And I was like, I have to move. So this is another thing with things like scams or, or fraudulent activity. Often it's when you're in a moment of crisis, right? I needed to move that day. I needed my stuff out of that apartment. I, my lease was up, right? So I didn't have any wiggle room and I was like, fine. So I already was going to pay more. They got all my stuff on the truck. They had us sign all these forms and they told us that we would probably have our stuff in the next two days because it was a pretty quick trip. And the driver was like, oh yeah, I wanna come up to New York. So I'm gonna probably be driving it and X, Y, Z, right? So we had this expectation set. And also I had spoken to, um, to their dispatcher and their dispatcher had said the same thing. Oh yeah, it'll probably be pretty quick, but ask the driver, he'll know, it won't take, a, it won't take too long. We had a September 1st as our first available move-in date, but we were definitely led to believe that it would come in a couple days. So we're told that we'll find out the next day when our stuff is coming. You're gonna be shocked to know that nobody called us. We had to call them and they said, oh, it'll probably be the next day. The next day we heard nothing from them. We had to call them again. <laughs> oh, it'll probably be the next day. Eventually we call enough times because we're obviously being jerked around and we're told that actually they have 30 days to deliver our stuff. Now, I did some more research on this. This is one of those places where as a consumer, it would have been good if I had had more information. I'd always worked with moving companies that had set delivery dates. And I kind of assumed this was weird because of where we were coming from, because it wasn't a major metropolitan area. So I didn't know this was even a thing, but it is a thing. A moving company can keep your stuff for 30 days and not deliver it. And while it was in one of those pieces of paper that I signed after my stuff was already on the truck, <laughs> no one ever told me. Right. So essentially, this is what we would call, you know, there's a couple things that are going to come into play here, but there were terms and conditions that were purposefully hidden, right, or, or um, obfuscated by the process. No one said to us, oh, it might take up to 30 days for us to deliver your stuff. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Often when we are selling something, we, again, as I said before, we get nervous that we want to make sure we say what the customer needs to hear or wants to hear instead of the truth. If they had told us upfront that it can take up to 30 days to deliver because of how they do things, what do you think I would have done? I could have done a couple things. I could have gone somewhere else. There's another option, which you'll hear about in a second, which is gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna blow, gonna blow your little mind with what they did to me, um, unless you've already been in this experience, in which case you know. Um, I also would have packed differently, right? I packed my car assuming I'd have my stuff in two days because that's what I had been told, maybe three days, right? I packed medicines, I packed work stuff, um, like into my into the truck, I packed uh, clothes into the truck that I would have needed for a couple days. We had like you know I had like two changes of clothes. Um, I packed some the dog's medicine, stuff like that. I would have prepared if the expectation had been set that it could take up to 30 days for our stuff to arrive, right? But instead it wasn't set. The expectation was set that it would be two or three days. And then on the back end, they told me after they had my money, I had now paid another deposit like when they picked up the stuff, now that they had more of my money and also they had all of my belongings. <laughs> now they're saying, no, it can take up to 30 days and we will just give you a call when we're able to deliver it. That is a really key piece here when we're looking at, are you a scammer? is are you hiding things? <laughs> are you hiding delivery things? Are you hiding terms and conditions? Are you hiding things that people need to know? I'm trying to think like a similar example might be, you know, if you have a membership that is a yearly membership with monthly payment plans. This is actually a really common um, model, especially for those of you that are maybe running like what are really group coaching programs um, or more high-end programs. Um, 
where you want people to commit for a year, but you're offering a monthly payment plan. And if they want another year, they have to join again. I'm seeing this more and more in the marketplace. And I can understand why, you know, sometimes folks join us inside of the Holistic Business Academy. We don't do that. We're month to month. But that means that people don't always stay long enough to get the result, right? And I'm like, it would be great if you would stay and actually do the work and then you could make more money in your business, regardless. You know, and we might move to that model at some point. But let's say that that was your model and you didn't tell anyone that you were locking them in for a year, right? That that was buried in the terms and conditions. And they thought because they were on a monthly payment plan, they thought that it was month to month when actually it's year to year with a monthly payment plan. If you hid that information, I don't know anyone who does hide that, why would you? But if you hid that information said, oh no, you're locked in now. And if you default, we're gonna go to collections, right? Like you, you, you owe us this money, you owe it. Like we're essentially, when you do a payment plan with someone, you're essentially loaning them money, right? You're, you're covering them. It's kind of like a credit card in a way. So if you hid that information, so people thought it was month to month, but it wasn't, that'd be a similar kind of thing here, right? So that's just a place in terms of our contracts, whether those are legal contracts, um, you can get great contracts from Coaches & Co. We can link to them in the show notes. Um, yes, Mean is really great and has fantastic um, templates, like, like, yeah, like contract templates for folks. So you wanna make sure that whatever you're, you're communicating is clear and that you're also letting people know before they buy, right? So for example, for Holistic Business Academy, there's a yearly membership and a monthly membership and that's exactly what it sounds like, right? And I make sure I say in our webinars, it's in our terms and conditions and it's on our sales page that it's month to month with no refunds. That's our policy, right? So because it's month to month, that's why there's no refunds basically because the amount of money, whatever, that's a whole other conversation, but. Um, you can cancel at any time, just like a Netflix or something, right? So we're really clear about what those terms are. So if you're hiding information to try to trick people into uh, buying something at a commitment level they don't wanna make, that is similar to what happened to me. That is scamming people, right? That is, that is inappropriate behavior. Now my guess is most of you aren't doing that. One way to know if you have a potential problem by accident is if you're getting a lot of questions about something like that that you think is clear, but if you're getting a bunch of questions, it's not clear. Now, a lack of clarity that's not on purpose is not the same as what happened to me, right? Where all of these people obviously knew the policy and purposefully did not tell us until it was too late. It's a little hard to explain the way those conversations go, but I assure you, it was, this was clearly the MO of how they run their business. So clear communication about things like terms, cancellation policies, reschedule policies, all of that stuff up front when somebody books with you, when someone buys from you, that's really important. And that is, it doesn't mean you need to belabor the point. On some point, yes, like as a consumer, should I have read that document? Uh, totally, that, that part's on me. But I was repeatedly told that one thing would happen and something else happened. That was not great. So here's where this gets super fun. For me to get my stuff in a timely fashion, guess what? They told me there was an option, but I could pay them more. <laughs> That's right, they held my stuff hostage. Technically, they had 30 days before it was considered a legal issue. I did not have 30 days because we didn't pack for that, like I said. And um, yes, we were like, after some back and forth, we decided that we would magically find that extra money and give it to them so we could get our stuff in a couple days. Um, they were still late. They were several days late. They did not communicate with us. They did not tell us when they were coming. We found out like a couple hours before they were coming that they were coming. And by now, 
Um, not only had they had it been a week since our, they had picked up our stuff, it had also been several days since they agreed to what they called like this like guaranteed delivery whatever, which was supposed to happen on a different day than it did, right? So they lied to us again and they did not call us, communicate, let us know it was running late, anything like that. But we still had to pay that extra amount of money or they wouldn't take our stuff off the truck. So what you see here, this is extortion, right? When somebody pays for something and then they're told they need to pay more money in, act in order to actually complete the service that they were promised. Now, again, based on their contracts, which I'm not entirely sure are enforceable, I'm not a lawyer, I just play one on TV, um, that I'm not entirely sure are enforceable on some level, but that's a whole other conversation. Even though they're legally protected by their contracts, what they sold me and what they told us repeatedly was different than what their contract stated. And then as soon as they had our stuff, they defaulted to the contract. Now, often a contract is a protective measure for the business, but they're using it here as a cudgel. They're using it to force me to pay them more money. They're using it to extort me, right? And again, some of you are probably like, Sarah, you're dumb, you should have just read the thing. Sure, I should have read the thing. Well, oh well, <laughs> yeah, I would love to see how you behave when all your stuff is on a moving truck and you have to get the fuck out of town. So they made me pay more, and then they also still did not meet the expectation based on the extra payments. So the final piece here is that they delivered everything, and a bunch of it's broken. We lost a bunch of furniture. Um, that was the main thing. A bunch of our other furniture is damaged, mostly cosmetically, but, you know, that's not great. <laughs> um, it was, it's not awesome. I feel fortunate in the sense that kind of our precious things are here. We don't have a ton that's super valuable in any like serious way, but the things that matter to us are here. Um, like my books made it, some of our personal things are here, but they damaged a bunch of our stuff. And also some things are missing, right? So we go through this entire process and now what is actually being delivered is also not what was promised, right? Our stuff was damaged, our stuff is missing, um, our stuff is broken and unusable. So now we have these three different steps of why this was a scam, right? They did not communicate clearly and actually lied to us. They extorted us for more money and then they did not deliver what they said they would, okay? Now, chances are sometimes we might as business owners make mistakes in some of these areas. Um, I worked with somebody earlier this year, I've shared this before, I'm not going to say this person scammed me, but they did not deliver what they said they would, or the quality was not up to par and they would not fix the problem. So that was on the third one, right? Okay, they didn't deliver what they said they would, there were some actual major issues, and I could not get my money back from this person. God, I've been scammed a lot this year. <laughs> okay, that person lied to me, that person would not solve the problem, and um, did not deliver work that was up to par and wouldn't fix it, okay? Chances are, if you deliver this work that's not up to par, that first of all, it's usually a mistake or there's some issue, but also second of all, as a business owner, you have the opportunity to respond. Now there's a difference here between boundaries and not doing what you said you would do, okay? And I think this is really important. Just because somebody doesn't like what you did doesn't mean that they are right. <laughs> the customer is not always right, especially in a very small business. So I want us to be mindful in this conversation. For example, if these people delivered my stuff and one thing was damaged, would I, I might be unhappy, but that's the reality of moving. The fact that a bunch of stuff is damaged, that's different, right? If you provide a service for somebody, you showed up and you did your best work and they didn't like it, that's not the same as you not doing the job or you only doing half of it. 
I think it's like it's like booking a facial and all they do is I don't know massage your face that's not a facial something like that or like put I don't know like put a sheet mask on you that's not what you paid for right you paid for a full service that includes you know, a cleansing and uh, probably an enzyme peel and an extraction and whatever, right? And it probably says what it includes when you, when you bought it. So these things together are why I am calling this a scam, right? They lied to me, they hid information, they extorted me. And that was again, part of this, even with the hidden information is that it was really too late for me to do anything about it, even if I had noticed because I had to move and they had my stuff, <laughs> right? I had to pay more money twice. They asked me for more money to complete the original job and then everything showed up fucked up, okay? Now I wanna share this with you and we try to talk through this and using some examples of how this might show up in your business, usually again, by, by mistake, but how different it is when you are actually trying to rip people off. So if your contract terms are hidden, right? If there are important things that people need to know about working with you that you are not talking about or not easily found, um, that's something to take a look at. And again, for most of us, when that happens, it's a mistake. It's a communication issue. I don't think any of you are trying to hide <laughs> terms in your business, but if you get feedback from folks that something feels complicated, then, um, or they don't understand, then that's probably a chance to correct it and make it more clear. We used to have that issue actually with our cancellation um, steps in HBA. Uh, I thought it was super clear and helpful. I had a real clear vision of why I wanted to do it a certain way, because um, I thought it would be supportive and we got feedback that it wasn't supportive that people really didn't like it um, so we changed it it wasn't really a, that wasn't really like a terms but it was it was a way that we did things it was creating a different experience for our customers than we wanted so we changed it easy right are you asking people for more money to do the thing that you already told them that you would do so an example of where this gets complicated is for service providers. If you are doing something and let's say you sell a package, but people then want to book more time with you or they want something outside of the scope, you're probably familiar with the idea of scope creep, then you probably will need to charge them more. But that needs to be in your contract and it's a really great thing to let people know upfront, if we move beyond this scope, everything will be billed at $300 an hour or whatever, right? So trying to be clear in terms of your boundaries when you're communicating your offer so people know what they're getting and they know what happens if they need to go beyond that scope. And then finally, actually delivering the work that you said you would. Now again, sometimes people just won't fucking like it. People, you know, I have bought stuff in the past where I'm like, I got into a course and I was like, you know, I actually don't really like this. <laughs> and guess what? That's okay. It is okay for us to buy things that we don't love. Just like sometimes you go to a restaurant and you order something you don't love, that's okay. Usually it's because we think we need something, we get there and we don't like it, whatever. Or we get there and we don't actually wanna do the work. This one's tough, that's a whole other conversation, but I know I've been in this place and I see it a lot where we think just by spending money, we're gonna get a result. That's really not true. Just like, you know, I don't know, if you want to get stronger at the gym, you have to go to the gym, right? You can't just buy a gym membership and expect to be able to lift heavier. You have to actually go lift. Same thing with any service or any product that requires usage or any digital product. So sometimes we get stuff and it's just not really what we wanted. We don't like it. It's not what we're interested in. Maybe we're gonna use it later. That's also fine. That doesn't mean that the person you bought it from scammed you, like at all. It also doesn't mean that they need to give you your money back. That's not true. If they delivered what they said they were going to, that's what it is. 
And for you as a business owner, this is also true, right? This is one of the reasons digital products rarely have refund policies is because once somebody has complete access to something, um, you can't take that access back. You can't revoke it. I mean, you can, you can like stop their access to a portal or something like if you use like a class platform, but they've already had access to all of the content. They could have already watched it all. They could have already downloaded everything. You can't really revoke that. So that's one of those reasons. But that's why it has to be clearly communicated. So people know that if they make this investment, there isn't a refund. Okay. So I hope this is helpful to kind of break down really the difference between what are ultimately boundaries and communications issues that small business owners have. And just the simple fact that like some percentage of people are not gonna like your stuff and that's okay, right? Just like if you bought a skirt and you didn't like it, you don't go, damn you company, right? Or maybe you do, but uh, especially if they, okay. We could talk about the idea of like the way that things are like photographed and videoed on the internet making things look like what they aren't in terms of clothing that's a that we could go there but in general when you buy something if you just don't like it or it's just not right for you it's not the right style for you it wasn't your favorite food dish you probably don't go oh i've been scammed right but somehow when we have that happen in our business we think that we are scammers you are not you are again most likely an ethical perfectionist bringing immense care to how you try to work with people and how you try to communicate and if we do have communication issues also we can fix them but you are not scamming people you are not lying to them <laughs> or if you are here you go here's some ways to know are you lying to people are you purposefully hiding information that they need about about their product and tell about your product? Are you lapsing in your communication? And again, I think that's the one that's most likely for small business owners. It does not mean you're a scammer, but that's an area to be mindful of and to fix. Um, are you lapsing in your communication? And finally, are you extorting? Well, are you extorting people? Are you asking people for more money to do the thing that you already told them that you would do, right? Or finally, are you not actually delivering your product, right? I think, you know, I'm trying to think of examples of like how this would actually play out online. And I would say, you know, charging people a bunch of money for a product, telling them it's fully finished when it's actually in beta and it's gonna take you a while to, you know, release any content or something. I don't know, that could be a little weird. Ultimately though, you are not a scammer. This moving company, <laughs> there you go. There's an example of a scammer. I hope it's helpful to kind of see the difference between these things, to see what it really looked like. I know it was helpful for me, um, especially because I was laughing so hard, not laughing, I was crying. I was like, why didn't they just do the guaranteed delivery as an upsell, like on the front end? Like standard deliveries within 30 days, but for an extra X amount of money, you can get a guaranteed delivery date in the next five days. That's how I would have pitched it. <laughs> I would have actually sold that as an upsell instead of hiding it. So this experience really helped me to have a really strong, clear idea of what it really means to commit uh, to commit a fraud, like to have extortion um, and, and a business scam and how different that is than a lot of what I see small business owners concerned about, which really at the end of the day is often that somebody's not gonna like your stuff. And guess what? There are gonna be people who don't like your stuff. That's fucking normal. It's okay and it does not make you a scammer, okay? Not liking something is not a scam. Full fucking stop. All right, y'all. Uh, I hope that this is helpful and I, I'm gonna go keep unpacking the stuff that isn't broken. Um, I wish you all the very best and I will see you here next week. Bye for now.